Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 6, called, The Lord is My Helper. We know that we've passed out of death into life, 1 John three fourteen, because we love God's people. Do you want to know one of the tests of whether or not you're a Christian? Is if you love God's people. And if you don't have the love of God's people in you, you probably don't belong to Christ. It's a remarkable thing to see what God does in the heart of a believer. Because I, I remember when I first became a Christian, the Lord put a new love in my heart. It's not like I wasn't a personable person, but, but I could kind of categorize people pretty easily. And I, and I kind of gravitated toward a certain type of person that was like me, you know, liked what I liked, liked sports, that, that, that. But when the love of Christ comes into your heart, there's a, it's a whole different ballgame, right? Because he, he starts to teach you to love with his love. And his love is not conditional. Not, it's not based on performance, looks, bank account, background, you name it. The world's love is, his is not. And so the exhortation, and you could say the motivation behind all the other exhortations is love. Let it continue. Keep on, NIV, loving each other as brothers. If you wanted to simplify your life in a morning prayer, you could just simply say, Lord, teach me to love today like you love. I remember... I was teaching 1 Corinthians 13 here, uh, not that long ago, probably a couple of years ago, and uh, a church member came up with a kind of a look of pain in his face and basically said, when are you going to be done with this chapter? <laughs> like, enough is enough with this love stuff, all right? Can we move on to other doctrines, right? And, and I understood, it kind of tongue-in-cheek, right? I understood what he was saying. Because doesn't this one exhortation challenge you to the core? It does me. Because if I'm going to measure myself against God's love, well, I know where I'm going to find myself. Look at the second exhortation. If you're taking notes, simply second exhortation is in verse 2. Do not neglect, and remember I mentioned to you that each of these would be motivated by the love of God. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it, or some have entertained angels unaware. Now, one of the great expressions of love is hospitality. And you can see when you look at the word hospitality, you get the word hospital. And hospitals really came out of the Christian faith. Um, There's a lot of Christian names on different hospitals, and that's because hospitals, really, the intention was to care for the sick and those who couldn't take care of themselves. And so it's very much a word, um, you could say, really with the foundations tied to the ministry of Jesus Christ. He went around doing good. He touched the sick and the infirmed. He reached out with the hands of love. Um, We often say the church is a hospital for sinners, right? And that's that word hospitality. In the early church, uh, before, I think it's probably about the third century, there were no church buildings. So the early church, if you weren't in Jerusalem in the temple courts, the only place you really gathered was either outside 
Uh, remember when Paul comes into Philippi, they're having a prayer meeting by the riverside, not the, not the city just over here, but, but uh, until about the third century, what you had is churches meeting in homes. So hospitality would be absolutely essential. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine maybe uh, a church leader that gets martyred and uh, maybe the rest of the people in the household don't want to host the church anymore? Or imagine that maybe a, a member of the church apostatized, you know, said, I'm not a believer anymore and shut the door to the church gathering. Hospitality in the early uh, first century uh, it, it would be, Christians would be traveling and there would be a high expectation that you would open up your home because they say the ancient inns were expensive, immoral, filthy, and it wasn't even safe to stay in them. And so there was a lot of dependence on if, if a Christian family was coming through town, that you as a fellow believer would open up your home to them. Now they did have rules, the didache, if you're interested, D-I-D-A-C-H-E, the didache, is an early church manual, dates about the end of the first century, and gives rules. It's like a, it's not, not scripture, but it's kind of an early church manual on how to measure behavior in the church. It tells you how to handle baptism and that kind of thing. And one thing that the didache says is that if someone stays with you, he, it says, um, here's the guideline, let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord, but he must not stay more than one day or two if it's absolutely necessary, if he stays three days, he's a false prophet. If he asks for money, he's a false prophet, close quote. Now, if you want to share that with family members who tell you they're coming into town, feel free. You could say, this is an early church document. I'm just, uh, don't shoot the messenger. You could stay for two days max. Don't ask for money. <laughs> Come on now. This is good stuff. Notice it says, don't neglect to show hospitality. There are some things in the Christian world that can be neglected. First Timothy 4.14, Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the spiritual gift within you. Do you know that sometimes people say that um, something happened, this, this person died uh, for, by reason of neglect. They talk about, you know, uh, a baby or something like that where no attention given to it or... You know, neglect is, is, is certainly a reality where it's, it's easier to change the channel and, and turn my head away sometimes than to pay attention. But here's the thing. We're not to neglect hospitality. And here it says to strangers, the word hospitality, philo, xenos in Greek, means to be fond or generous to guests. It has the nuance to strangers, but it doesn't necessarily have to be defined that way. Hospitality is just simply being fond of people and opening up not only your home, but your heart to people. And that's why it ties directly to let the love of the brethren continue. Now, of course, we all got to have balance in our lives, right? Um, you got to find the sweet spot for you. And some of you have the gift of hospitality and and you always want to open up your home and heart to people. And then you may be married to someone who doesn't have the gift of hospitality. And that's where you have to find balance as a married couple. And, and usually the Lord uses our spouse to balance us out, right? So I found that uh, in, in married couples that opposites attract. And probably that, that balance is, is not a bad thing. Uh, so 
wherever you may be on that spectrum, just take a look at the verse. It just means be fond or generous. Be loving. Can you and I neglect to love? Could the ones closest to us feel neglected? You know, when uh, the Christians showed hospitality, um, the writer reminds them, and in some of these exhortations, he's going to give a reason or a motivation. He says, uh, for by this, showing hospitality, some, end of verse 2, have entertained angels without knowing it. Wow. Now, who's that? Well, in the Old Testament, in Genesis 18, the Lord came with two angels to Abraham. And I think Abraham knew who he was dealing with, at least along the way. Those two angels then in Genesis 19 go to Sodom, and they show up at the door of Lot. And Lot is trying to be hospitable to them, and he lets them into his house. And you know that ugly story and how they come pounding on the door and Lot offering his daughters and all that weird stuff there. And, but Lot seemed to know who they were as well because uh, he bows down when they're coming uh, toward him. So take that as it is. In Judges 13, um, the angel of the Lord comes to Manoah and his wife, the parents of Samson. And uh, most likely on Wednesday nights, we're going to do a study through the book of Judges coming up here as we wind down in the book of Hebrews. And in Judges chapter 13, the Bible says that Manoah did not know it was the angel of the Lord. He entertained an angel unaware. And he offered basically food. He said, please stay, don't, don't run off. First, the angel of the Lord appeared to the wife, and then the wife told Manoah, and then he appeared a second time, and the wife scurried over and got Manoah. The, the man's back. She said, the man's back. And so he begins to inquire. And basically the angel's message is, you're going to have a child. She was barren. And the child's going to be a Nazarite. And this is what you're to keep him from. And he's to take the, all the, the vows of the Nazarite. And the Bible says in Judges 13, I think it's around verse 14, Manoah didn't know it was the angel of the Lord. And then he says, will you eat our food? And the angel says, no, I won't eat your food. But... Um, go ahead and prepare an offering. And they prepare an offering and the angel does some signs and wonders and then he goes up, there's a fire on the altar and he goes back up to heaven. It's kind of this radical thing and they look at each other and they say, we, that, we, we interacted with the angel of the Lord and we're not dead. And the wife says, well, if he wanted to kill us, he would have killed us, but he made this announcement about the kid and all this stuff. And they entertained the angel of the Lord unaware, at least at the beginning. So let's talk about the practicality of this. I did a memorial service along with Pastor Shane about a month ago. Uh, beloved members of the church lost um, a mother. And um, so we were there and they told us uh, a story of an accident that occurred. I won't give you all the details, but it was a rainy night. I think they were in San Bernardino. And uh, an accident occurred and it was a, a tough situation in the the couple that goes to this church, uh, they were called out there and they arrived. And these four guys just showed up in the rain, in the dark, not many people around, and prayed over this family. And every, they, they kind of turned their attention to one another. They were talking a little bit and they looked around and the four guys were gone. No, nowhere to be seen. Um, there's, I've shared from this pulpit some angel stories from the mission field. And perhaps you all also have some encounters where you're kind of trying to put together the dots of who was that and how did they meet me right here and you know were, did I encounter an angel I mean 
In chapter 1, we found out that angels are ministering spirits, come to minister to those who inherit salvation, Hebrews 1.14. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you are a longtime listener to Walk in Truth, we could use your help. We are excited to announce we have the opportunity to broadcast on a new radio station. It's a daily program. We can be on every day like we are here, and we can be ministering to a whole new group of people. An opportunity that will help this ministry reach more people like you in Oahu, Hawaii. The door is open. The gospel is free. But the old saying is, someone's got to put in the plumbing. (laughs) Our mission with Pastor Michael's teachings is to equip listeners with God's Word in a way that helps them address today's issues, trends, and culture. In his spiritual workout plan, what is that spiritual workout plan? It's to heal. It's to get better. It's to pursue some things. And one of the things that you pursue is peace. But before we say yes to this opportunity, we could use your help. The price to broadcast on this radio station daily is $2,491 a month. Can you partner with us to reach people in Hawaii? Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Your financial commitment of at least $20 a month would help us reach this goal. That's about the price to go out and get a sandwich, a bag of chips, and a drink. We have until the end of September to raise these funds. If you become one of the 125 new partners, you'll be part of the team bringing God's truth to more people. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to help us expand, we could use your help. That means four people would have to make a commitment each day until the end of September. Would you be one of the four now? Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. Thank you so much to all of our partners, all of our listening family, all of our new listeners. We love you. Begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. I did a memorial service along with Pastor Shane about a month ago. Uh, Beloved members of the church lost um, a mother, and um, so we were there, and they told us uh, a story of an accident that occurred. I won't give you all the details, but it was a rainy night. I think they were in San Bernardino, and uh, an accident occurred, and it was a, a tough situation. And the, the couple that goes to this church, uh, they were called out there, and they arrived. And these four guys just showed up in the rain, in the dark, not many people around, and prayed over this family. And every, they, they kind of turned their attention to one another. They were talking a little bit, and they looked around, and the four guys were gone. No, nowhere to be seen. Um, there's, I've shared from this pulpit some angel stories from the mission field, and perhaps you all also have some encounters where you're kind of trying to put together the dots of who was that and how did they meet me right here? And, you know, were, did I encounter an angel? I mean, in chapter one, we found out that angels are ministering spirits, come to minister to those who inherit salvation, Hebrews 1.14. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we've missed some because we wouldn't answer the door when they... <laughs> Are you a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> you know. Anyway. Don't neglect it because we miss out. We miss out on opportunities. Now, I don't think the writer is saying every time you open up your house for a potluck, angels are going to show up. But I think what he is saying is that you miss out 
when you don't open your heart and you don't open your home. Now, just something to think about. How many opportunities have passed me by? I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just, just asking you the question. Don't neglect it. Exhortation number three. Remember the prisoners, and here's a, a further motivation to remember them, as though in prison with them. Those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves are also are in the body. Now, the third exhortation is to remember people who are in prison. Jesus uh, used this image in Matthew 25 when he's separating the sheep from the goats, and he says, I was in prison and you came to me. Now, in the ancient world, uh, it's quite possible that a lot of early believers were in prison for their faith. And the only way you could survive in a Roman prison was if your family or friends brought you food, uh, a covering, whatever you were going to get. It was going to be dependent on your loved ones. Uh, there was no system to take care of you. You're behind bars, and your family's going to bring you stuff, or you're going to die. And so basically, the writer is saying, I want you to remember those people who have been persecuted, and they've ended up in prison. It's easy to forget them. But what if you were in prison with them? What if you, and I, New King James, remember the prisoners as if chained with them? Isn't it a different ballgame? when it thuds at your own doorstep. It's one thing to hear about things going on. There's a missionary, uh, you know, imprisoned in this country. There's uh, persecution in this place. And people have ended up in a prison camp. There's religious prisoners all over the world that we don't even know about. There's the sex trafficking, uh, you know, crisis in the world, right? People in bondage uh, all over the world. There's people who are holding people against their will. But here, this, this image is a persecuted believer behind bars. Here's what the reputation of the early church was. Here's what those who observed them said. If they hear, if Christians hear of any of their number imprisoned or oppressed for the name of their Messiah, all of them provide for his needs. And if it is possible that he may be delivered, they deliver him. If there is among them a man that is poor or needy, and they have not an abundance of, of uh, necessities. They fast two or three days that they may supply the needs of that person or give them their necessary food. Christians would fast two or three days, collect what they gave up, and give it to a person in need in the body. That's what they did. So we have a benevolence ministry in this fellowship, and it's a beautiful thing to watch people give to it. We don't even barely announce it, but people give to it, and we become a channel of giving. And I'll tell you what, we have met, as a church, we have met, I've lost count, how many times we have met in need of food, Christmas gifts for grandchildren or children, paying a light bill, keeping someone in their home, taking care of a missionary family that, you know, needed something like a surgery or an additional wing put on a building or whatever it may be. And you have given, and you have given, and that Giving is an expression of who you are in Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And the writer says, remember them, because perhaps under the weight of persecution, it's easy to forget. Um, let's walk it out for a second. How about the shut-ins in our body? How about people who can't get here anymore? I know there's a group of people who go out to shut-ins. Bring them communion. What a beautiful expression of the love of Christ. 
to show up at someone's door. They can't physically come here anymore, so they're hoping that we'll come and visit them. I, can I put it this way? I was lonely, and you came to me. How about people who are in, uh, let's call it assisted care living? How about an elderly person who is alone? You know, we can walk this out, right? To a lot of different ways that we would express the love of Jesus. And here's what we need to remember. Two different categories. The prisoners at at the beginning of verse 3 and then um, those who are ill-treated, a separate category. If people are ill-treated, we've got to be tender to that since you yourselves also are in the body. Here's what Paul says. If one member of the body suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. When I hear of people hurting in the body, I hurt. And I try to direct my hurt in prayer and sometimes in practical ways to express Christ's love. But the point is, we're one body and when one part of the body is hurting, we hurt. But you got to be connected to the body to know what's going on, right? You can't be isolated from the body. Verse 4 is the fourth exhortation. Let marriage be held in honor among all. If you have an NIV, it says, marriage should be honored by all. Uh, literally, let marriage be precious to all of you. Now, when again, we've been telling you about the backdrop of this early church, and because there was persecution and pressure, and some people were falling off the racetrack with that metaphor from Hebrews chapter 12, some people may have had a spouse uh, renounce their faith or threaten to walk away or whatever, and, and marriages may have been at risk. You know, when life is bumpy, it's good to have a solid family unit. You've been listening to The Lord is My Helper, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, chapter 13, verses one through six. And if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is always available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Would you please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the scripture says to be pure in my marriage, but you might say I have some past temptations I really find difficult to stay away from. I want to change. I'm having a hard time. Maybe maybe you're uh, one of those people that you thought, okay, marriage is going to resolve every weakness I have. <laughs> I'm going to have this person always available to me, and uh, we're always going to have an, an incredible uh, intimate life in our friendship and our intimacy, and you know, and then you get married. <laughs> And reality sets in that life is still life. And when you marry someone else, it's two imperfect people trying to be faithful to God and faithful to one another. And not all your problems go away when you say, I do. So now let, let me just say marriage is honorable. That's what the verse says. It's to be honored among all. It's the norm for most people, unless you have the gift of singleness or your, your spouse's past, etc. 
What if you're having a tough time right now with your marriage? What do you do? Well, I'll just say this. One of the best ways to resolve marital issues is not to be selfish. That sounds simple, but it's very profound. In 30 plus years of ministry and interacting with married couples, I can tell you this, selfishness and pride are the root of most disagreements. And when two people are walking in humility and true agape love, marriage issues get resolved. When we ask for forgiveness, when we humble ourselves, the walls come down. So let me just say, if you're having some ongoing struggles in your marriage, personal struggles, you're not alone. Here's an additional step you could take. You can get some help from a wise married couple. Could be small group leaders, could be a pastor, could be a pastor and his wife, could be a Christian counselor. Uh, just kind of depends on the need. Pray that the Lord will lead you and um, get some help because the body of Christ is also here to help one another. God bless you. This is Pastor Michael. Have a tremendous weekend. Make sure you're in church serving the Lord, worshiping, giving, inviting, being used in the body. You are important and being there does matter. So get engaged in the local church and we'll see you right here next time. Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 6, called The Lord is My Helper. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.